Greg. Greg. Hey, what's up? It's Hope. You know what I'm. T- you know what to do. You know what to do. Yeah, yeah. You know they got me over here, Miss Daisies. Yeah. So they hire me as the driver, right? I'm driving. I drive everywhere. I do that. That's what I do. I drive. And then all of a sudden, I'm not driving. Literally been working for like a week straight. I'm shining this lady's bulbs. I'm replenishing her food. She want, She goes to church. She goes to the grocery store. But guess what she does? She walking. I told. Yep. Yep. That's Hoke? What, that's Hoke? What, oh, oh, hold on. Hold on, Greg. Hold on, Greg. Yes, one boss. I hope. Uh- I, I think I need to go out to the store. Can you get can you get the car ready for me? Oh, you you want me to drive you to the store, Miss Daisy? Uh, I mean, I guess if that's the way that it has to be. Well, lucky day for me. Let me let me go out and get that packet started for you, Miss Daisy. All right, I'll be ready in ten. Sounds good. Yeah, great. This bitch want me to drive her to the store, so I'm gonna take her to the store. You want anything? You want me to pick you up something? I know them kids run you crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Hoke? Hoke? Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, Greg. Yes, did, did I hear Negro laughter downstairs? No, no, you wouldn't catch me laughing at nothing around here. Nothing, not, not, not now, no laughter around here. Uh, you know how I feel about black people enjoy. You, I know. <laughs> Do I know? Oh, okay, get the car ready. I'll be down in 10. All right, I, I'm on it, Miss Dizzy. Yeah, Greg, you know she got a tight noose on this nigga. Yeah. All right, send the love. All right, I'll talk to you later. Peace. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is the podcast where we deconstruct these white savior films and recontextualize them through a black and POC lens. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Clark. And I'm the other one, Cameron Mason. And boy, it's we only got one last week of Black History Month, and they're really trying it. <laughs> We're struggling I mean? like, to get we out couldn't. of it. They're they're gonna start a war in the last week of Black History Month. We just can't can't win. Um, we, <laughs> this has been the roughest one. I think this has been the roughest Black it's History been Month a lot. On record. And I spent most of it in the house. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, you know, <laughs> hope everybody's doing all right out there. Um, and we have we have a movie this week that has been like, if you think about white savior films, this is. This is one of the ones, specifically because of not even just the film itself, but then everything that kind of spun out of it because of its success and its Oscar award wins and nominations and all that other stuff. Um, And we're very, very happy to have this person, our guest, coming in to talk with us about it. Uh, This is Shar Giselle. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, you all. Yeah, of course. Um, so Shara, you, you do a lot, you do a lot of things. And so, you know, I don't necessarily want to try to run it down myself because I know, you know, you're always, uh, doing something new. So tell everybody a little bit about, you know, what you got going on. Uh, well, yeah, I guess, um, I'm an entertainment journalist and I've contributed to variety most recently to essence. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I used to write for them. And I've, I've done a lot of productions and publications. You know, the same old, same old. <laughs> I'm on the radio every Friday. Uh, we are mm-hmm. channelq.com slash listen from 2 to 6 p.m. Um, and so, yeah, I got my hands in a, in a lot of different pots. I got a lot of things in the works on the hosting side. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited. I actually just wrapped up my podcast. I used to have a what I call moderately successful podcast okay, about love, okay. sex, and relationships nice. with my co-host Jace. Um, and what's we it just, called? You got to plug the name. Well, it was Kiss and Tell Radio. It's now over. We taped the well, we recorded rather the the final episode uh, two weeks ago, and we mm. we were on like a year and a half break, but we started. It was funny to go back and listen to our growth because we started the show yeah. when we were 27 and now we're 34. And yeah. so just to hear some of those topics. And so, yeah, that's that's what I got going on. And that's what I've been up to. For sure. Well, I wanted to talk just a little bit about uh, a medium essay that you wrote as well, which was your your Jesus year essay, which I read uh, earlier this week. Thank and I you. think uh, it could be it could be something that people need to to hear about specifically as we continue into what is you know an un, unknown territory unknown times coming up <laughs> but i mean you know like it was it was really about just how you were able to one use journaling you know to kind of keep keep growing but also like keep track of you know all the places that you've been and all the things that you've been thinking about specifically you know in these pandemic times which i think for a lot of people you know they they continue on and so, you know, I'm sure people, everybody's kind of hit a wall, you know, at some point and has been trying to figure out, you know, okay, so I did this, I binged all the shows, you know, I, I, you know, started doing online therapy, you know, I've done all this other stuff, like, is there anything else that I can do as an outlet? So, you know, if you, if you, if you want to, if you're open, just kind of talking a little bit about that essay and kind of how, you know, you've been able to maintain during these times. Yeah, that essay was something and still is something that means a lot to me because I'd venture to say that is the most one of the most vulnerable things that I've done. You know, it's one thing to, you know, record yourself and have it in video or audible form. It's another to have it in the written form. And so I decided to do that. My birthday is January 2nd, so it neighbors New Year's and it feels Mm -hmm. like, you know, a rebirth of sort in all, you know, ways. We're entering a new year and I turn a new age. And so because last year was so, last year was filled with different and new experiences for me. Um, Extreme heartbreak, sadness, confusion. Oh my gosh, it was so much. There were so many moving puzzle pieces in my personal life that I could not have foreseen. And so many changes within my friend group and so many changes within my family. My mother just got remarried in September. So there's, there's a lot of moving parts that happened last year in particular, and some of which I'm still grieving actually. But uh, journaling is very cathartic for me and I rarely go back and, and read entries, but I felt it necessary. That's what actually was a springboard to the essay is that I went back and I read some stuff because sometimes we forget. And, right. you know, I was in confronted with certain instances of emotional abuse and gaslighting, and I was finding myself romanticizing the past. And I have a pretty good memory. So there were <laughs> things that, that popped up, but I didn't remember how bad it was. Mm-hmm. I'm using bad in air quotes. I didn't mm. remember how bad it was or how I felt in the moment until I went back and stumbled across some of these journal entries. And so it served, to, served as a reminder that it's okay to continue moving forward it served as a reminder that you can miss people while also acknowledging that they're not good for you. Mm-hmm. And it served as a reminder of just 
my growth. Like sometimes we don't even recognize our own growth. And when it's there on paper, when you can see how you were feeling a year ago today, when you could see how maybe today you'd process something differently than you would have a year ago, it's tangible. It's right there. It's your words, your pen. Right. And so that, that, that essay means a lot to me because, um, yeah, I, I poured my heart into that and I'm so glad it was so well received. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, so, you know, thank you. Thank you for that. And yeah, I mean, just for me, like I've done some journaling on and off and it is something that you kind of like, even if you don't stick with it, you know, like on a, on a day-to-day basis, like even just having that moment of like, okay, I got that out, you know what I but mean? See, like I but, see, to... but see, let me push back because that's the thing with yeah. journaling. I always tell people, you make your own rules. Right. You make your mm. own rules. It doesn't, mm. I don't journal every day. I try to get maybe three to four entries in a week, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's two a week. Sometimes yeah. it's one time. So I don't, I don't have that confinement, but I know that it's catharsis for me. Cause I, you know, we don't always have crisis hotline, so to speak. No. Like oh, for yeah. sure, yeah. when it's 2am and everyone's sleep or you don't have anyone to reach out to, or, or maybe so, some things we got to keep to ourselves. I do believe mm-hmm. that it's healthy to keep certain things to ourselves. It's not healthy for everybody to know everything. Right. And <laughs> right, right. That, that's what the journal does for me. It really, and sometimes it's one page, sometimes it's six. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. there's no rhyme or reason to it. You go with the flow. For I've sure. definitely re-entered the journaling space myself this year, and I'm very thankful that I did. I have to, I know now I had to check out your article and, you know, Thank see you. what I can apply. Definitely. Oh, for sure. Uh, because I, I see what it, I used to journal a lot and then I started more frequently this year. And I'm like, so happy that I did because mm-hmm. literally getting it out, you know? Yep. No, and it's, it's, it's important that we take care of ourselves as as mm-hmm. people, as For black sure. people as, as well, you know, just because, uh, like we said earlier, they're trying us every day <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's not, it's not even just, you know, them, them air quotes, right? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just, it's life in general. So, you know, like yeah. as we, as we continue to, to press forward into whatever the future is, you know, let us uh, be that bomb. For, yeah. for for our black <laughs> listeners out there, <laughs> yeah. Well, boy, uh, let us apolog- let us uh, cha- uh, de-chap the wound. <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's get into this movie and kind of reopen some wounds because we're talking about <laughs> a movie that I'm sure people have been probably anticipating since they heard about the show. Shara, tell everybody what movie you chose to watch. <sighs> well, when I get when you sent over the list of movies. I looked and I was like, okay, is there anything I'm familiar with? And I was familiar with a lot of them, but I didn't, I knew I didn't want to be in here because I'm a crybaby. I don't, mm. I don't want to be in here upset or crying in the name of Black History Month. But <laughs> I chose Driving Miss Daisy starring Jessica Tandy and Morgan Freeman and some other yep. people, Dan Aykroyd, right. Esther yeah. Rowe. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, that's the film that I chose because I've seen it one time before when right. I was like a kid. Like I'm talking about like, this is like before 10 years old. Like mm. I saw, like I was like seven or something with an aunt. And so it was like, I was familiar with the title and I remember that it was not full of like traumatic experiences at the time or traumatic retellings. Mm-hmm. But now watching at it from an, watching it from an adult lens, I'm like, hmm, you know, I'm still rolling my eyes. <laughs> but driving this Daisy. Yeah, I, I had never seen this movie before. And it Ooh. is one that like, Again, it lives in a certain space, I think, because of everything that, you know, came out of it, just in terms of if people are unfamiliar, this is the movie in 1989 that, that won 
the Oscar for Best Picture uh, over Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, which wasn't even nominated. Wasn't even nominated. And that, you know, caused a huge outcry just in general. But I mean, you know, it's it's not necessarily a catch-22, but it is kind of a thing that like propelled Do the Right Thing into higher spaces because there was a lot of people who were just like, what? Like, <laughs> you know, like not even that Driving Miss Daisy won. And the other movies that were nominated that year, I was also just kind of like, I mean, I guess. Those were the best movies that people thought. But... Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you know, well, um, well, uh, shout out, you know, shout out uh, Kim Basinger. You posted oh it on the uh, yeah. on the uh, on the social media that she literally right before she presented the award, she had to call them out, yeah. you know, and say that this wasn't even nominated. Yes. And this, you know, the test of time, we, 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 we all know what the best movie of that year was. Yeah, kind well, of far and away. <laughs> let's let's hear from Kim herself. We um, we've got five great films here, and they're great for one reason: because they tell the truth. But there is one film missing from this list that deserves to be on it, because ironically, it might tell the biggest truth of all, and that's do the right thing. Yes. 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 Testify, girl. <laughs> okay, so on to business. <laughs> I like her little anyways at the end. Like, anyways, on with this bullshit. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> the shade. Because one of these got to win. Yeah. But, I mean, that that was kind of, you know, that, that divisive energy. Because there was a lot of people at the time, and we'll discuss this a little bit later, that mm-hmm. loved Driving Miss Daisy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. not just the academy but critics uh not just critics but you know if you look at the box office this movie had a 7.5 million dollar budget and raked in 145.8 million dollars so it wow. was some would call that a hit wildly <laughs> successful <laughs> wildly successful and Good gravy you know in a way too that was just kind of like um you know not to skip too far ahead in the conversation but you know it makes you question like this this was the this this movie this was the one that like made all of that money and like got all that attention and uh you know there's a lot of things that we can and we'll say about it but it is wild to me every single time green book the help this movie uh-huh. um and i feel like there was one more that i was just like and this 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 is the movie that i've been told to watch that like, <laughs> was the best one from that year or like this performance that this person put on was like the best performance. And, you know, I mean, you could, yeah, you know, Jessica Tandy, obviously, you know, has had a, a storied career and like done sure. a lot of incredible things. Yeah. And yeah. This was not necessarily even a bad performance, but I feel like no. a lot of people gravitated to a lot of different elements of this movie that maybe weren't about the movie. Uh- <laughs> yeah. I think, and, and I, we can also talk about this later in more detail because i feel like this is the larger conversation about what is missing from this movie which is that i mean think about it what which lesson of which cinematic lesson about racism would you like to be taught as a white person in america the one that absolves you of any problems or any like mm-hmm. misgivings that you might have had or the one that is literally in your face (laughs) that you kind of fucked up and you might actually be the villain a little bit. And it's not necessarily what you've done per se, you 
per the person, but you know, as a society, you might take part in some of those ills that are still being propagated, you know? What what stresses me out about this is this is this is an echo chamber, so to speak. Like the point mm-hmm. that she just made is literally some of the points. As a matter of fact, the driving talking point that we see on cable news today as far as critical race theory is concerned. And, and 1,000%. The truth telling of history instead of putting this, you know, sugar syrup over it, ripping the bandaid off and telling it how it is. Yeah. Well, and even when you think about the arguments against, right, where it's just like, oh, but we don't want our kids to think that they're bad people or like, oh, like, why do we have to get into all this stuff? Like, that's in the past. It's like, that's that's the point, though, right? Like, isn't that the (laughs) point? Like, that's literally what history is. Like, it is not just something that happened a long time ago that we're just like oh man like that sucked didn't it it's like no that's why we are here <laughs> why it's because those it. things happened and, and you know i've why... also seen the argument that like if my kids are young enough to experience it your kids are young enough to to learn about it and in the ways yeah. in which they might be inflicted for sure it. for so, sure i mean that that that's kids of color and black kids in particular are not taken into consideration when it's like mm-hmm. oh we don't want our kids to x y and z because it's, sure. it's it's insidious it's all around us as we know as three black people in america we yeah. know it's all around <laughs> us yeah well and even that like idea right like i teach young kids like i teach kids in preschool and so like the mm. kids the kind of questions that kids ask just on a regular basis it's like and the connections that they're able to make you know i think people are, are thinking that we're going to come in and read you know, a letter to a Birmingham jail to like a five-year-old. <laughs> right. like, that's not what's, right. what's going to happen. But on their own, when you describe a situation to them, they're like, oh, that sounds wrong. Like those people are wrong. And you're like, and they're, you know, like they're what, what the fear is, is that their kids will make the just human connection and say, oh, mommy and daddy are wrong. You know, Boom. and then they're going to be like in a position where they have to defend uh, some indefensible stuff to their children and they don't want to do that. Yeah. So. Or, or the grandparents. <laughs> or the grandparents. Well, definitely like, the grandparents. You said on this show before that you, you're, one of your grandparents spit on Ruby Bridges. You don't want to acknowledge that. But, yeah. You know, like that's your, that's your history. So. Yep. Choices were made. Yes. <laughs> and that's also the thing about this movie. I mean, it spans what, 30 years just about. And yeah, the whole idea is that this friendship took so long to just break even, right? Or not even break even, because I don't even think <laughs> that's what happens. Uh, that's definitely not what that happens at the end of this movie. Um, but it, that even two people who were raised in like the Jim Crow South, right, who were literal products of that situation, can come to some sort of like grieved okayness about the situation that they both were brought up in like because honestly it's not there's no like we solved it like racism is over right <laughs> i think that might have been i could argue that that might have been the intention it's so heartwarming he's meeting her i think you're uh, right i think you're right no. though and there is some certainly something to be said about you know what was her name daisy Yep. You know, <laughs> what was these, her name? That's right. Having these biases and being so anti-black and, yes. and it's racism, but it's it's thinly veiled, but in your face. But she's still a church going woman. Like, yes. I think that, that that's always something that just baffles me, especially with even the current state 
of our world with evangelical Christians seem totally different. Like there's so many different sectors of mm-hmm. Christianity, you know? And so, um, yeah, she, she was a mess, especially the scene. Also, you know, before I get into the scene about the, they take things when he had the, the can <laughs> of salmon. What I thought was interesting is that she reiterated that she was raised um, on Forsyth Street. And yes. I'm a talk show nista. I, I like my talk shows, but I, I'm from Chicago, so I'm endeared to Oprah. I know everyone claims that they are, but if you were in mm. Chicago, you are endeared to Oprah, especially if That's you do understandable. what I do. Uh, but what I thought was so interesting is I, I was too young at the time, but I went back and watched this episode years ago. Oprah went down to Georgia and there's a county named Forsyth County that is historically one of the most racist places in the United States. Like when Oprah yeah. went down there and did her show, um, they still didn't have like, it was uh, still considered a, a, a sundown town, really. There were no black people living there. And these people that she was interviewing were overtly and disgustingly racist. So I'm like connecting dots and I'm like, do they, like, was this intentional for the, her to keep reiterating she was raised on Forsyth Street? Did someone do their research and know the history of Forsyth County and how, you know, racist it was? That's very possible. We would hope mm. so that at least the screenwriter was educated somehow when it comes to this. We'll see. I, oh, oh, <laughs> uh, well, we've been talking around it, but Cameron, why don't we get to this five minutes here? Yeah. And we can we can dive in in earnest. <laughs> uh, I'm going to set my timer. <laughs> you know, I, be, I be, look, I believe in you. We stretch, need to start getting some like motivational, uh, yeah, get <laughs> some calisthenics in. Ugh. All right, all right, Cam, let me know when you're ready. All right, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, three, two, one, go. <sighs> all right, so it's 1948, right? And we got uh, the main character of Driving Miss Daisy would be Miss Daisy Worthen. Um, and she lives with her son bully and at the time um the movie starts i think she's like 72 so she's old yeah. already right so she's 72 and she takes her new packard out or she takes a sorry i think it's a commodore right i'm gonna get it right i'm gonna get it right she she get, <laughs> takes her new commodore out and she backs it into the neighbor's driveway it's a mess bully is like oh my god what are we gonna do uh so he's like mom i'm gonna get you a chauffeur we're rich so it's cool and they're like, you know, they're an affluent uh, Jewish family, you know, so they go to temple every week, you know, and, and they're uh, contributors to the neighborhood. Bully works at a uh, what a textile mill in town, textile yeah. factory, I'm going to assume uh, in town. And he's like, he's Actually, on the up and up. Banker. He, well, he takes him through the factory. Oh, yes, yes, like, yes. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt the five minutes. Go, go. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. All right. So as they go, as they, the movie goes on, basically, he hires Hoke, Morgan Freeman. He ho- hires him one day because like the elevator is broken at the job and Hoke used to be an elevator operator. So he knows how to work the elevators. Right. Boom. So he got that freight elevator moving. Bully saw an opportunity. You used to drive. Boom, boom, boom. He's got Daisy hooked up with Hoke. All right. So the movie kind of goes from here, basically, that uh hoke is supposed to be trying to work for daisy and she's really not having it at first she's like don't take me anywhere don't talk to my maid you know don't don't dust my light bulbs don't plant food in my garden don't try to feed me don't try to help me and he's a chauffeur he's already outside of his range so he's trying to do extra work and she's not even having it so 
still, still, she goes on like this. And one day she wants to go down to the Piggly Wiggly. And Hulk is like, I want to drive you. Daisy's like, fuck you, black guy. And he's like, no, I won't, I won't take no. I won't take no. I'm a pleasant man. So he drives up beside her on the, on the road. This gets her a little embarrassed. She's like, okay, finally, I'll let you drive me. Just keep your head down. Don't make too much of a deal about this. And this is kind of the vibes of the movie. Various situations of this, like Hoke wants to help. Hoke wants to do his job. He only gets paid $7 a week. He just wants to do his job. Daisy's like, get out of my face. You make me sick. Uh, and not necessarily that she is a straight up racist. She is a person in, in the Jim Crow South who employs black people. So she definitely has a certain uh, perspective about the world there. And that's really what the movie is, is fluctuations of that. Like Hope drives Daisy to go see family in another county. They get lost on the road. Uh, you know, there's uh, later in life, 10 years down the road, it's 1965 and Hope drives Daisy to go see Martin Luther King speak. But it's for Daisy to go see Martin Luther King mm -hmm. speak. And, you know, Hope has to sit out in the car, even though she has an extra ticket. She's a bum. Anyway. <sighs> This really does go on and in the movie and the friendship kind of like chips away. We're watching Hope with his persistent patience chip away at Daisy's like, I don't know, hard headedness. And we see uh, what there's a scene where, you know, the synagogue she goes to she, uh, is bombed and she doesn't even want to accept it. She doesn't even want to accept the fact that hate crimes do happen to Jews just about as much as they do black people in the deep south at this time this literally goes on until what like the 1970s the early 1970s where hope pulls up at the at the nursing home and daisy's not doing well she's been going in and out of senility the whole time and it seems that she might be senile but she might not but you kind of can tell that she actually is going out um and they kind of shared this last moment at the nursing home where, yeah, Hoke's been visiting her for a minute, but she doesn't really know who's, who he is. And then he feeds her like, he feeds her some jello, a spoonful of jello. <sighs> As we see like what the fade up of the car drive down the road and that's the end of the movie. So uh, allow me to, I misspoke. I did say church and Christianity. She was a Jewish woman. At yes, yes, you're right, yes. you're right. Uh, Cameron, 20 seconds to spare. Oh, look at that. Oh, I did it. Whoa. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> we'll put the applause underneath this. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I was worried the whole time. He wasn't showing me the clock. So I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 I no, gotta, no. I got to make you sweat a little bit. But you that's really uh, I mean, that's the movie, though. Like it, it yeah. if we were to go scene by scene, it would be lots of scenes of, you know, there's uh, Hoke and Daisy at the graveyard where, you know, we find out. Hope doesn't know how to read and Bauer. Daisy's like yeah Bauer on the on the headstone I'm gonna teach you the sounds and you gonna work it out when you go see the tombstone it was like this really bullheaded-ish way of you know saying I'm a good person underneath even though I'm gonna still treat you like a child and then literally we have the same a parallel to that you know when uh they're in the car and she's driving he's driving her further south to see family and they uh hit the wrong road on the map and 
you know, Daisy's been holding on to the map in the back seat, and Hoke is like, I would read it if you would give it to me, if you would yeah. entrust me with the thing you ver- the very thing you taught me. She says, he says, don't treat me like a child when I have to ask to go to the bathroom on the road. Like, so that's the parallels that kind of, we're kind of seeing, just like this. Um, I don't know. There's a chasm of like how racist can Daisy get, and then she we <laughs> we come back up out of that chasm at the end. But racism isn't really solved by the end. Yeah, no. I thought I thought that, and I know that we'll probably get to this. But what I thought sure. was interesting about like the scene you just brought up is when he did have to go pee, and it mm. was on the side of the road, and she asked an asinine question about why didn't you do it at the the gas station. Like, if she is a product of Jim Crow South, then she would know that this black man can't <laughs> use the bathroom at this gas station in rural. Right. They traveled from Georgia to yeah. Alabama. Um, but I, I did think, yeah, I thought, I'm like, what? Th- those dots weren't connecting to me. Why, why she yeah. would ask such a dumb question. <laughs> I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, you know, as a writer, you probably want to put, um, the question you're trying to ask in the movie in context, in, in contrast, in relief, right? Okay. So she asks a dumb question. So she gets the obvious answer that makes mm-hmm. everybody in the audience feel good about like- One of those viewers <clears throat> out there was thinking like, right, well, we like, just saw her come from the bathroom. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, and then the white the person same. in the audience goes like, yeah, that's the right choice. Oh, wait, did I say that? <laughs> I mean, it's it's literally almost the same scene in Green Book where Don Shirley's oh. playing at that house. Yep. And, you know, Tony Lip is like, why did you just go to the bathroom there? And he's just like, bruh. Do you? Do you <laughs> I, see? Can't go, I can't go to the bathroom of this rich white man's house. Like, he's not going to let me. I'd rather go back to the hotel and do it there yeah. instead of, like, suffer the indignity of going to the outhouse. So, like. Right. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a. I mean, okay, you know, let's let's uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's hit them. Let's get into it. We're gonna just our our evergreen catch all. (laughs) Hey, because we definitely gonna talk about this one. Let's talk about Dragon Miss Daisy. Good God! (laughs) One one thing to put some of this into context, specifically what I'm about to say and talk about, is that this is based on a play. Right, yes. a Pulitzer Prize winning play written by Alfred Yeri, which when you watch the movie, it feels like you're watching a play, mm-hmm. right? Not in a good way. Yes. It feels like <laughs> every scene felt like and the lights go down, mm-hmm. right? Like and then we and then we transition to the next one, except that didn't happen. And so oftentimes I found myself like, okay, is it the next day? Is it five years from the last scene is it like I the time was passing in a strange way that I could only tell either by Morgan Freeman is slightly more gray or like his hairline is slightly further back. Yes. Or they mention Martin Luther King or like some event that I'm like, OK, I can kind of place when this is. But otherwise, yeah, we're just going from or like because even like one scene, it's Christmas. And then the next scene, it's not christmas but i don't know if it's like <laughs> they li- february or they literally like- start every scene with like a time marker like i haven't seen you since you turned blah 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 i'm 71 yeah. this year it's just like there's every, <laughs> every single and, and, scene starts and with- they did not they didn't include lower thirds to let us know what year we were in at all that, uh, that yeah. was kind of like my same beef that i had with the uh with the insecure series finale i need a lower third to let me <laughs> know me. where we are in the calendar in order to make sense 
of, you know, what is going on and what's taking place. But I had no idea that this uh, came from a play. It does make it make sense now when you watch the movie. Right. Well, because the play is literally a one scene play where it's Mm -hmm. just them in the car driving. Right. And like, you know, they'll transition through different periods of time, obviously, but it really is just they're driving in a car like that's the play. Mm -hmm. And so in kind of stretching it out, uh, Alfred Urey did the play, but then he also did the screenplay for this movie. So he, you know, adapted his own play and a couple of things. Right. This is listed as a comedy. It's not funny. Uh, I, I was looking for the humor. I couldn't find it. I was even like, if I was trying to put a laugh track underneath this, I don't know where I would put the laughs. Like, I'm not quite sure where the comedy was intended because we can talk a little bit about Idella now, just in the sense of, I think oh. she's supposed yeah. to be funny. You know, like <laughs> that's supposed to be... Well, because the humor, I think, is supposed to come from Miss Daisy being a crotchety old woman who's right. just mean to everybody. And so you laugh at her because she's being mean to Hogue and she's being mean to, you know, Bully and she's being mean to whoever. And it's funny because she's old or, you know, I'm not quite sure where I'm supposed to be getting the, the humor from. But then let's let's talk about friendship, right? Because this is literally the same problem I had with Green Book and the same problem I had with The Help, right? This is a movie that's predicated on the idea that two people of different races are in constant contact because of an employment situation. And because of that, they become friends because otherwise these people would have never hung out around each other or gotten Mm -hmm. to know each other. And all of those movies don't even address the fact that one, they're your boss, right? Like, it's a completely different situation <laughs> when you're interacting with somebody who has literal control over your financial well-being, right? Like, she, in the movie, they make it clear that, I guess, in a sense, he's working for Bully and not Miss Daisy, because he's like, you know, do what you got to do. She can't fire you. Like, I have final say over, you know, whatever, right? Mm. And so I I yes right but then it's also like but that's your mom right and if i say something wild to her (laughs) you're gonna fire me you know what i mean like i can't really you know not even that but like again 1940s 1950s georgia deep south like there's a whole oh yeah caste system basically of just like this is how you interact with white people in order to not even not get fired but to literally not be killed yeah. Right. Like to not die. This is how you talk to white people. This is how you talk to white people who are employing you. Mm. Right. And so like the idea that they were friends, you know, and like friends in the sense of like, this is somebody that I, you know, trust. And I would tell not even like deep personal dark secrets, but like if I could choose anybody to just spend an afternoon <laughs> with. Right. Like, do you think Hoke is choosing daisy like off the strength because we never see him we see him talk to idella right like a few times we see him talk to the black people who are moving stuff and miss daisy comes in and says don't talk to those (laughs) (laughs) they ain't never carried on like this before they've been cleaning my floors for years oh my god they've they've been coming in with the solemn face you know not (laughs) they have never smiled (laughs) right right get out get out of here with your joy I definitely do think that Idella's character, which was played by the iconic Esther Rowe, Florida iconic. Evans. Iconic. Sad. 
Um, I do think that she was designed to serve some some comedic relief and not in like a Florence from the Jeffersons type way like, yeah, that's yeah. like full of sass. But like even when Hoke's character was introduced to Idella, she says, you know, I wouldn't be in your shoes if the Lord Jesus himself asked me to. <laughs> like even in her delivery with that, yep. it was in a very Florida Evans type way that would have maybe right. gotten some laughs from, I don't know, little Janet Jackson or whatever. But um, <laughs> but I definitely took note at the beginning of like how you all have mentioned like the time, Jim Crow, but it's the fact that Miss Daisy doesn't think that she's like prejudiced or discriminatory, but mm -hmm. she's flat out saying things like we can afford them. I thought it was also interesting yeah. how she said Idella's been with her since Idella was in eighth grade. Like what the right. hell does that mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and then, how horrible does that does that not sound horrible to you well and she describes the help as like children underfoot like right. they're they're always yeah. in my house i always have to keep an eye on them and like you know eating like all my food trouble than they're worth living yeah. living in my house rent free yep. right and he told her hope told her that the pork chops was stiff so he you know mm -hmm. took a, a a can of salmon but even with that like her looking for things and that line that that uh daisy says when she's like you know they take things so it's yep. all these things popping up for me where it's like, but this woman said adamantly like, oh, she got offended at Bully when he suggested mm -hmm. that she was being prejudiced. Like, excuse yes. me. Yes. But it's like, yeah. ma'am, are you not hearing yourself? Because the, the mirror's right there. The call's coming from inside the house, so to speak. <laughs> right. Well, it's wild, too. This is another movie that, like, racism is a thing that happened a long time ago. And it was only carried out by a specific set of people, and they were the bad people. Mm -hmm. And then all the other white people, like Bully, are like, they're like, they're cool. They're, they're so tower. cool. Yo, <laughs> you know, like, Hoke right up in the front seat with me. Like, yeah, like, let's hang out. Mm -hmm. Oh, you want, I, I know that you're trying to con me out of money so that I give you a raise. I'll just give you a raise anyways. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like. Huh? And the only racist, the racist people are the two cops that pull them over. Oh, right, right. right. Like oh, nobody man. else. Like, can you imagine, <laughs> like the the real reality of this situation in which, like, you are working for this woman, right? And like, this is what we talk about all the time. It's, it's just as black people, right? Like, you're not going to get a job without racist white people, right? Like, there's no place that you can work where there's not going to be racist white people so like it's a thing that we just we learn to live with we learn how to maneuver around the situations right we know how to to, to clock out of work at five and just go home <laughs> you know and right. not uh -huh. not engage because you know it's like it's it's just not worth it right so imagine that but on top of that you're in the jim crow south and so it's just like literal survival <laughs> tactics right like on an everyday situation but you're working for this woman and she is coming out her mouth, maybe not because she never does it to Hoke, I think, specifically, but like telling people that she's not racist, right? That she's not prejudiced, right? Oh, and yeah. Like, she's she's like any modern liberal who hears that they did like a slightly racist thing because that's just the system of the world we live in. There is inherent right. racism in a lot of things. And uh, she <laughs> at every turn is like, how, how could you? <laughs> her pearls clutched how how could yeah. you how dare you i i would be the first to donate to the naacp i i would be the... i'm gonna go see martin luther king jr speak <laughs> yeah, how, how oh my driver sits on the car <laughs> i also I, I also think speaking to that when they got pulled over that scene 
for me, what it brought up was the lack of solidarity and proximity mm. to whiteness, right? Yep. We right, just right. saw a lot of these discussions bubble up that I won't get into, but we just saw a lot of these <sighs> discussions bubble up during literally February 1st when Whoopi Goldberg was suspended from The View for two weeks because mm -hmm. uh, Daisy is a Jewish woman. And when asked mm -hmm. by the cops, like the origins of her last name, she said it was German, which it might be because Worthen does sound German. Mm -hmm. But when, she, when they drive off, we heard the nasty comments that the cops made and how they clocked yeah. her for being a Jewish woman going down the road with the, you know, an well, N-word, yeah. you yeah, know. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it, what's, what's, I guess, wild to me is within these systems, how people can still inflict anti-blackness and racism when it's like, sis, they don't like you either. It's These you, types of white too. people don't like, don't like you either, right. but you, you still coming for me, so to speak. So I thought that that was very interesting watching that from the 2022 lens for me being mm -hmm. adult Char lens. You're completely right. And to piggyback off of that, that's also like her cluelessness, right? Her cluelessness yeah. of like how she is a part of the system, no matter what. And like, she could be racist to Hope by not giving him the map to read, but she can also, you know, get called all kinds of wild names by cops who are supposedly yep. there to help her. Yep. Well, so, I mean, let's, let's just transition into this topic full, full stop, because the mm. thing that like struck me the most about this movie, one, we'll get into this just a bit where we get to like the way that people received the movie because there's a lot of like man wasn't it great that there wasn't any like violence or no like, lynching you know, like, depiction <laughs> of yeah like let's let we, let's talk about racism without all the all the parts where you know black people got killed like why, why can't we just talk about it in a very whitewashed kind of way mm -hmm. right but there's also this through line where they're trying to draw parallels between hoke and daisy in terms of like what jewish people go through and what black people go through mm -hmm. right and I'm not trying to get into oppression Olympics because nobody wins at the oppression Olympics. It's, everybody gets bronze. I'm stealing that. I'm stealing that. But here's the thing, right? Like, while their journeys are parallel, it's it's literally that, right? They are literally parallel mm -hmm. in that, like, there are things that you go through together, right? But it's not the same. There's levels to it, right? And so, like, for us as Black people, we can empathize and stand in solidarity with with native people but like we don't know what it's like for our land to be stolen from us and then occupied right and then like even in a sense we're kind of occupying that land too right mm -hmm. so it's like we can empathize and say yeah man like it's really you know fucked up what you know white people did and continue to do but also like that's not that's it's not that it's not our fight but it's like that means something very specific to them right mm -hmm. and like what they're trying to accomplish while we might have we're fighting the same fight right like there's the same end boss you know that we're, we're, <laughs> we're going up against but it's not quite the same and so they try to make this parallel well it's like this specific scene okay synagogue got bombed hope gets out the car talks to the cops comes back and says we can't go because there's been a bombing at your temple miss daisy is in just complete denial unprompted he goes into a whole story about <laughs> you know seeing his father's friend or his friend's father get lynched and daisy's response is like shut the fuck up i don't want to hear that shit why are you telling me this i don't hush care up. about hush this up. yeah hush up yeah Ooh. i don't i don't have any you know interest in this and it's like okay wait a minute time out you know <laughs> because like <laughs> if you're 
telling if you're this is what this is what I keep coming back to. If you're telling me that they're friends, right? If a friend told me a story similar to that, I would be like, damn. <laughs> you know, like, do you do you want it? You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but like I'm here to, you know, listen or like we can have this conversation. She immediately shuts all that down. Right? right? Like and you get the as sense that they never talk scene. about that again. As she did every, in every scene. scene. Literally every scene. That's every scene of this movie is Hoke doesn't necessarily open up to that level, but he's definitely like, you know, nice weather today. And she's like, shut up. Which I also thought was interesting with Hoke's role. And maybe, I mean, maybe you, well, you all can definitely, you know, provide some, some feedback to this because when, when Bully does hire him and tells him, you know, no, she can say whatever she wants, but she can't fire you. You work for me. Yeah. He goes yeah. to the house and I get that. He's kind of like, I guess sitting there and bored, but mm -hmm. maybe that was the best thing for him to do. I didn't understand why they framed this as like, I guess him being so bored. Like, I guess I'll just go tend to the flower bed. I guess I'll just go dust some light stuff. She's like, why not just stay at the kitchen table? And that might be me again, looking at this from a 2022 lens. But I'm like, I didn't understand. It seemed almost romanticized it's like well i'm gonna try my best to be this lady friend mm. maybe let me dust the light yes 100 let me yep. let me let me do reorganize the flower bed and the whole time yeah. she's barking at him and sneering at him the entire time yeah. but maybe that's the comedic twist that we talked about i don't know it's funny this movie is received like and i'm not trying to encroach on like that conversation because we will have that later but i feel like what people are seeing when they watch this movie because it is an hour and a half of like <laughs> this this dude's like swath of patience that he's got for this woman like a every at every turn he's got a smile like at every turn even after like you know the temple is bombed and she he relays that story to her he's he's still like you know this is a, a light heart that is telling this story and people see this movie and they see like these conversations that they're having and I feel like what they're looking for is like the nuance of the performances, because this is where like you see the gradual friendship being built or quote unquote friendship, you know, <laughs> air quotes on the friendship. But uh, you're seeing like supposedly this this old woman like, you know, come around to, to yeah. black folks uh, and and it's throughout the movie it's like a performance driven movie right because it was a play and so you're really only mm -hmm. watching two people in the car and then you have this movie that is all like glances and long conversations and you're just looking at you know hope's heart stays strong while hers like you know softens at every turn possibly possibly yeah. right because she never really softens until the end when she has dementia and can't remember who the people <laughs> are around her and then Hoke is her best friend. And then Hoke friend. is her best friend. Remembering yeah. the car driving down the road. Like, I wanted to spit up. Just, it definitely Look. contributes to, to that whole, some of those tropes around the magical Negro. Some of those tropes around, especially because he couldn't read. So that that, that docile, <laughs> that docile type, you know, stereotype that was perpetuated about Black people in film for forever. And so this isn't, and none yeah. of this is to say that any of that didn't happen. Right. You know, right? that these people didn't experience lives where they didn't learn, know how to read by the age of 60 or whatever. Like yeah. they didn't, they they grew up in a world, you know, that was literally spitting on them at every turn, right? So yeah. you, you actually have people who don't 
only know how to clean people's houses, only know how to like yeah. drive people and, down the street. And with respect to that, there's also people who were Miss Daisies who ne- whose heart never softened, who just yeah. gave yeah. their employees hell <laughs> all right. 30 years of their tenure or whatever. A hundred percent. And then that tenure like rolled over into the rest of the family yep. because they were still employed to the family and not just Because Idella been with us since she was in eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> well, look. Let's. I mean, I want to talk about each of these performances individually Let's do that. because, like, Morgan Freeman is the, like, he's the Gandalf of magical Negroes, right? Like, this is like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> oh my god. This is like ne- when I saw him. Like, it took me a few seconds to clock it, but I was like, let me know if I'm crazy or if you guys kind of can see this as well. Is he doing a Richard Pryor impression because he looks like Richard Pryor? <laughs> Like the way that they got him looking in the movie, and then like he's doing an impression. He, like, he's, he's doing an impression of Richard Pryor doing an impression of uh, Morgan yeah. Freeman doing Richard yeah. Pryor. Like, the, like it's the because it's the facial expressions too. Like he's doing all kinds of like weird stuff. Yeah, and it's like I, I just don't understand from from both perspectives, right? Like if we're just talking simple narrative storytelling, mm-hmm. right? Like. The whole point of a story, right, is that two people or any character like wants something and they don't want it as in a man, wouldn't it be nice if I could have they want it in like a if I don't get it, I'm gonna die, you know, kind of way. <laughs> like that's the how you propel a story forward, right? I don't know what Hoke wants other than employment, right? Like I don't understand what he wants. I don't know what he benefits from from being her friend, like in the sense of like Earning her friendship, like you were saying, Char, like the proximity to whiteness is not what people think it is, right? So like being her friend isn't going to really get you anything other than, I guess, whatever her friendship entails, you know what I mean? But it's not like him being close to her, having that relationship with her is going to like get him a better job or like, you know, give him any kind of protection. But then it also seems because, you know, the way that he's presented in the movie, and that's why he's like full scale magical Negro is like all of his interests and desires are basically what do the people, what do the white people in my life want? You know, like, what do they need? Like, literally, he shows up. Cameron, you were saying that he, he was an elevator operator. He was a truck driver. And the only reason <laughs> he knows how to fix the elevator is because he used to get stuck on an elevator. Like every situation, he has a convenient anecdote about how because I used to drive this dairy truck. <laughs> I can solve your problem for you. I mean, this movie it's, is full of it, though. This movie is full of like yeah. conveniences for each of the characters to feel the way that they feel, right? Yeah, but he's never like. Th- there's maybe one or two moments of any pushback, right? Like when he's driving her to uh, Alabama, and he's like, "You know, I need to use the bathroom," and she's like, "Why don't you?" And he's just like, "Come on, you know." Then um, he couldn't even do it, that. He wants to use the bathroom, and she's like, Hoke? Hoke? She's in the back seat. Like, he couldn't even pee in peace. That was the wackest was, part of that scene. That was the wackest part of that scene. <laughs> she's like, I was oh. waiting for her, though, like, when she saw him to still be scared because it's a black man coming out of the I mean, the movie, the movie did two, that was the second offense in this. And I'm like, we'll, we come, we'll come back to this. this. This is the second offense where the music, like, <laughs> it's kind of like Yo. the music was trying to play it like it was a comedy. Like, okay. She's scared. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, Hans mm-hmm. Zimmer got to take an L for this because yeah. you know wah, what I mean. Like, this is him, by bro. far the worst Hans Zimmer score. I he also, just got that little ditty. He got that little ditty that, <laughs> that also, motif. I also know because I know that we're going through people's performances, but going back to the beginning of the movie, I was a bit confused as to when Hoke's character, well, Richard Pryor, makes his intro, <laughs> and uh, and then we see Bully take him to his office. I was thinking to myself, are black people not allowed on this floor in this office? Because for whatever reason, Bully's secretary was like losing her mind. Did, did, yeah. did you all mm-hmm. pick, up, pick, oh, pick sure. up on that? Yeah. It was like, she was like trying to interrupt and he's like, give give us a minute, Miss McCarthy or whatever her name was. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I was so thrown off by even Morgan Freeman's character's intro into the mm-hmm. film. Cause it just, if you blinked, you missed it. And you missed his his career history and you missed why he was there because we were seemingly in some factory. But now all of a sudden we have Dan Aykroyd interviewing Morgan Freeman about driving his mama around. Yeah, it, it, right. it, it, it presents itself so quickly. It's just like, boom, you're working for my mom. Boom, you're already in the house. Boom, you're already like uh, <laughs> yeah. washing her, uh, scrubbing her light bulbs. And right. then like, I mean, it honestly goes from like, it's 15 minutes from like the point where he gets hired to, I stole a can of salmon. And again, mm-hmm. the music wows out with the, the, the shot of the can of salmon and it's dun dun. Like they even do the music thing. Like, what are you doing? And- but here's the thing too, about that C though. Like that, I think is comedy, right? That's supposed like, to be a joke, what, I think. I don't because know. Because what happens is she accuses him. Right. And then he comes in and he's like, oh, by the way, you know, your pork chops, Nah, <laughs> not up to stuff. Not Didn't want to eat that. Uh, so I, I took some of that salmon and I went out with my own money and bought you a can of salmon to replace that salmon. And then, you know, because they're making a big deal of it, right? Like Dan Aykroyd is talking to, to Daisy and she's like, you know, you need to you need to fire him. And he's like, mom, you're, you're blowing this over. But then when he comes to the door, Dan Aykroyd's like, Hoke, we got to talk. We got to talk. Right? I got to talk to you right? here. Like, we need to have a conversation. This- but then when Hoke comes back in, like, Daisy's already like, oops, you know, and she pieces out, and then and then Bully's like, oops, and then he pieces out. We don't see right Morgan Freeman come back in the room. Thank you, thank you. Thank- <laughs> what what I was going to say about this scene is this scene jumped off the screen to me. This was the most play like scene of the <laughs> mm-hmm. entire thing to yeah, me because yeah. we do we don't get a conclusion to that scene. We don't even get no. humor of maybe like Hoke coming into the room and going, you know, you know, Mister Mister Worthen. Okay, yeah. well, I guess I'll go about my day. We right. literally see yeah. we literally see Daisy go get dressed in one direction, and then Bully just kind of awkwardly standing around, and then him go out the front door to head to work, and then <laughs> fade to black. So I'm like, yeah. is that like it? That's read like a play to me. Now that I know that this is based off of you're 100. percent You're right. Yeah, I think that's where we're supposed to laugh too. We're supposed to be, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, look at this awkward situation they put themselves into, and it's just like. Again, Ooh, they were almost that... racist. <laughs> <laughs> they were almost racist, but like black people have died for less, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. You know yeah. I mean? You're 100 so right. I... You're. Oh my God, it's it's so terrible. So I mean, we're gonna keep making this comparison to Green Book, right? Because you know this is they're they're There's, both yeah. the same movie uh-huh. more or less. Yeah, but. It's the same situation where, like, there's many times in Green Book where you're watching Don Shirley and, like, something's happened to him and you think, oh, man, like, this is bad. Like, something bad is going to happen right here, right? Like, the scene where he's he gets caught in the shower at the YMCA, right? Ooh. But then that mm-hmm. turns into a joke 
where Tony Lip is like, how much money do I need to give you cops to like go away or like make this, you know, whatever. And for black people watching that, we're like, that's terrifying. You could have, right? Like to be caught in that situation, like as a gay man at that time and a black man Hello? in the South. Hello? You might, you might not come well away. Just, yeah. yeah, you might not come away from right. that situation. But that's played for laughs, right? In the same situation here, where it's just like as a black man, I mean, when you see the help, right? Like there's the whole situation with the. One of the maids who steals the ring. The ring. From, Ingenue Ellis. You know. That was her. A lot of yep, people don't yep, realize yep. that was Ingenue Ellis. She's out here. Yeah. <laughs> She's out here for sure. Might get an Oscar this year. Who knows? Hopefully. Fingers who crossed. Knows? Uh, but they're, yeah, they were playing that up as like a big, like a, oh my God, like what's going to happen to this woman? Mm. You know what I mean? She gets arrested and like and you know, all this stuff. But it, does, yeah. it does make me think about like what we talked about at the beginning of this episode. Well, we, what we kind of touched on where, where I where I felt that Daisy was being ridiculous as to asking him why he didn't use the restroom. Like you said, black mm-hmm. people have lost their life for less. So it does not make sense to me for him to have taken the, the, the canned salmon. Right. In, in yeah. reality, he would have either choked down the pork chops or just waited till he could have gotten something else. But to take the salmon, yeah. knowing what's at risk, given the time we're in rural yeah. Georgia, yeah. you know, it... it, it that does not one it doesn't ring true equal, no it doesn't it doesn't yeah yeah, yeah. Doesn't. i will say as well there's a scene later after and we're let's i mean let's talk about this before we talk about that specific scene why did adela have to die <laughs> oh no <laughs> i know <laughs> she, what and why did she have to die in the way that she died i you know what i don't i knew it was coming <laughs> when it like the scene was too easy i was like oh there's gonna somebody gonna die or something bad gonna happen real quick and then yeah. just the way i, I almost like you're clairvoyant a little bit like five seconds ahead you were just like oh she gonna drop the peas oh she dropped the peas oh she did oh yeah, man but she dropped the peas like like batman's mom's <laughs> pearls right when she gets shot yeah. <laughs> that we've seen for the it's slow time. motion <laughs> the so, peas just like fall to the ground and i was like what like for real what? because so, they they have her funeral and i guess they jump right the to it. <laughs> it's the next yeah. thing. It's the next shot. <laughs> I guess the implication is now it's just Hoke and Daisy. Like there's is they're they're stuck with each other now in this kind of way. But like, could she have just like quit or retired? Something. Like, she's a just, she's a yeah she's a fiction for this or she's a a new piece for because she wasn't in the play. So why did you? She had to die for this. But that mm. also pissed me off, y'all, because like after the funeral, the next scene we get is Daisy being uh, mean and surly over the stove frying chicken while while Hoke is yes. like, the, the, the iron's too hot, high and the chicken too yep, close, you yep. gonna mess it up. You're, then she's secretly turning it down and stuff. So what I thought, what I thought was interesting, um, Cameron, is that I did not get that from that scene. I just was mindlessly watching, but the way in which she died, I'm like, <laughs> was this, an, this had to have been like an aneurysm or stroke because it was yeah. so, it was so sudden. Yep. And then yep. the peas dropped. And then I felt like, you know, as a black woman watching this, just as a black person watching this, why she got to die working? Why she uh, got to die on this day? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, much like you said, yes, Jordan, yes. why can she be ridden out in that a way that like she she just got too, maybe too old to work. And so her, yeah. like Cicely Tyson's character in The Help, you know, yeah. her daughter came down from the north to take her, I, you know, mama. I was just about to say that the, kid, you know? the kids came and got her. Yeah. yeah but why she got to die working, shucking peas in the kitchen Ugh. 
watching mm. the TV and then we get this this funeral in the black church and it's just which is blip. just it's it feels so like I feel like if I'm Alfred Urey, I'm just like, ooh, they're going to like that. Like, <laughs> like licking his fingers as he like types on the typewriter, just like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, another one. another one. What a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> All our sins. All our sins. Right out the lyrics. Uh, you, it's, it, it feels like a moment where he's like doing it to, because he knows black people will feel that in the theater. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bro, like you just you can't insert the black church willy-nilly in your script and like think yeah. that black people are just going to automatically forgive like the bullshit you spent get, feeding us for the previous 45 minutes or whatever you know even though or it was funny you just can't oh i was ahead. gonna say you just can't insert martin luther king jr into your script <laughs> yo and think that that's gonna be so, the way to it's really it that's really what he did though and they and they play the clip they play the clip of the speech. Oh yeah, no screenwriter you know I mean? technique. You don't like... you don't write a new Martin Luther King in there. You just take the <laughs> you just take the recording, and that's got so much more weight to it. Boom, and it's supposed to play as like Daisy realizing, oh, it's not just not just enough to like you know not be racist. You gotta oh maybe like do something. Maybe I should have invited him in. Meanwhile, there's a black man sitting right behind me. <laughs> Yeah, speech ain't over, dog. Like, there's still a dinner. He can still get it. Oh, come in here just... real quick. He's still talking. Way, you know, it's the way. Uh, going back to the black church scene, I guess it's funny. The the comedy in that is that juxtaposed against those scenes of 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 Daisy's choir or whatever it's called singing in temple. <laughs> it's two totally different experiences. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's just you know another thing. Like we said, this this movie is. The same thing happening in different places because Hoke literally never gets invited in, whether it's Christmas, whether it's driving to Mobile, Alabama or the outskirts of Alabama to celebrate, you know, Daisy's brother's 90th birthday. Whether whether it's it's the world's greatest orator speaking on the behalf of his freedom. His sole purpose is to drive Daisy around. And guess what? Y'all, he likes it. Yes. (laughs) Oh, man. He, He loves it. It's what he wants to do, and oh, it's Lord. like the last scene, right? So they finally I'm smack this. I'm gonna smack her, the shit out of this last scene. <laughs> so. Have have her say, "Hoke, you're my best friend," and like I was trying to read his reaction to that of just like, "Bitch, what? Like, really? <laughs> really? How dare that, you? Genuine? Because <laughs> like we friends now. <laughs> well, like we've been saying, you too old every to be driven scene. around. I'm too old to drive your ass around. Well, how dare you? <laughs> Well, it's it's crazy because I mean a few things, right? So like they go back to the house. The house has been sold. Uh-huh. Bully's talking to Hoke. Hoke is telling Bully about his his daughter. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, like it, it seems like yesterday she was just like and he's like, she's like thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> like she's a whole ass grown woman. <laughs> it's not like she was like, you know, like to think that she was ten one day and like thirty five and a and a professor the next day. It's just like it's huh? rude. Like, how did you miss it's fucking rude this entire person's life? It's you, rude. You know? Which tells me that you don't you don't talk to this no. man. You know, he's been working for your family for this whole time. You don't know anything it about his family. Like he was kinda, so it seemed like Bully was kind of hating on on Hope throughout the whole movie, like <laughs> you know, helping him. But remember when he like bought the car when Hope bought the car and Bully's like, how much? How much yeah. did you? And he like, 
that's my business, you know. That's between you. me. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's all of this like don't come up too fast, black man type thing. So. Right, and Bully like hold on, hold on. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I don't love you though. Well, because even Bully, right? Like when the whole Martin Luther King Jr. thing is popping off, he's like. Oh, because Daisy's like, oh, yeah, like, are you ready to go? And he's like, about that. So <laughs> can't be seen yeah. <laughs> supporting black people in any way. But <laughs> have, like, have fun. You know, enjoy that ticket. Hope it's a good time. I'll listen to it on the radio. Yeah, in you secret. Know, but I cannot. Where my yeah, investors you can't, can't see me. me. Yeah, publicly, because it's, it's not going to be great for business, you uh, know. And it's just, it's that kind of stuff where it's just like, so you're saying this out loud. Not even just bully, but the movie. Right. right it's telling me this out loud and yet at the same time daisy seems to be oblivious about every like you know i mean this is just this is how it is this is how the world worked at that time and still basically to this day still works yep. and so you're telling me that like she's completely unaware of even like the fact that her son wouldn't want to go to see martin luther king jr's I mean, she because, raised him yeah he's an important <laughs> businessman and he can't be seen associating with with those kinds of people, right? <laughs> and so, it's it's yeah, all that's wild. But anyway, so Bully at the end, of, or not Bully, uh, Hoke at the end of the movie is is visiting Daisy when he can because he's so old now that he can't drive anymore, and he's got to catch the bus up to the retirement home. And he goes in to see her, and you know she she gently grabs his hand and and just tells him that you're my best friend, and then they sit yeah they sit down and have i guess lunch together it's, or I think whatever it's pie, it, whatever the hell yeah but it's just like pie the great the this, great unifier <laughs> <laughs> but the scene feels like high five we did oh my god you know, here we are like here, this is this is the journey you've been waiting for this is the the culmination of racism i guess like this is this is the end is these two people sitting together <laughs> uh you know but it's like when you read the synopsis of the movie, right, it's like over the course of however long, you know, 25 years or whatever, you know, like to, you know, like a Jewish woman and a black man, like witness the changes of the South. Right. And I'm like, we don't witness anything. We don't witness. There's no, no. there's the two moments where the world and like race and racism kind of creep in to mm -hmm. the movie, which is the, the bombing and then the police officers. Mm -hmm. But every other scene between them and every other... I would say the Martin like, Luther King of it all, too. Movie, yeah, you know, but, like, that's the only time that we even acknowledge that, not even that racism is a thing, but, like, there's a civil rights movement going on, mm -hmm. and that, like, you are, like you were saying, Char, like, this isn't just some place, you know, like, you are in Georgia, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which was, like, it was going down. You know, that whole, like, like Georgia, Mississippi, yeah. uh, like... Alabama. Uh, Alabama, like, all of that was, like... Those were the big three. <laughs> yeah, not a place that you just wanted to just be hanging out in, you know, casually, because people were dying regularly, you know what I mean? And for this movie to kind of play it as if, like, they're just watching it all out the window. Like, man, look at that. Civil rights and that racism go by. <laughs> Thank God it won't get my you know, When it's like, but it's not affecting you in any like you're not it's not even that you're not engaging with it because that's oh, not a choice yeah, you get to make, yeah. right? Like that is happening to mm -hmm. you, right? And so like I mean, even the idea that I know again, like they're trying to make it seem as if 
oh yeah like they're both kind of seeing that it's not easy you know for either of us we're both kind of having our struggles and again even the the way that the movie tries to make it about daisy's like she's an independent woman right like she doesn't want help she doesn't want anybody doing anything for her she doesn't want anybody driving her around or like you know she because she doesn't want to be seen as dependent on anybody right Mm -hmm. but like we we don't even get to see what the loss of independence means to her or how that affects her Mm -hmm. right because one minute she's daisy and she's you know cussing people out and the next minute she's in a retirement home and there's no like that is true in between i didn't notice that yeah where it's just kind of like that's that's again the movie that's what you're trying to 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 communicate to me is that like man isn't it this is her worst fear come true is that i'm i'm losing my independence as an individual there's all kinds of things that we can talk about in terms of like what it is to to age and specifically as a woman what it is to age and like lose that independence and you know all of that stuff that you were holding on too tightly but we don't even get to see that because we just skip to and here she is you know with dementia and like unable to do anything it definitely stripped uh daisy's story of of any sort of nuance i did not realize that until you mentioned it it's very light on light off she's a firecracker one at one time and and now she's you know meek and and docile and needing assistance the next (laughs) whenever whenever the story you know needs it to be and if and if that wasn't the case, do you think she's telling Hoke you're my best no. friend? No. Hell no. No. <laughs> I just thought about this random at the beginning of the film where she's like, you know, Idella, you want a pickle with your lunch? And and Idella says, you know, like, no thanks or whatever. And she's like, well, I'm going to pack some up for you to take to your husband. You hear? You hear, gal? Or yeah. so whatever she said. And Idella's like, yes. Um. I'm like, okay, what am I watching? Like, I just remember mm-hmm. that. I took mental yeah. note of that because I'm like, okay, this is the language we're going to be using. They said, if, if we played a drinking game, to with your listeners to take a shot every time a black person said yes um yes people would have alcohol mm. poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get into the yes um of it all in, in just a second. <laughs> but is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we get into this this research? This movie's some fuck shit. I would rather watch I would rather watch Spike Lee throw twenty dollar bills in Danny Aiello's face on loop for an entire <laughs> afternoon then see but, this ending scene of this movie one more time. I would love to have uh, access to any footage that might be buried or lying around of the Academy uh, determining what would win best picture for, mm. for that year and why. <sighs> why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, well, I guess, I guess the last thing I, I do want to talk about, and this will, like transition us into the research is that when you look at all the reviews of this movie and all of the positive praise for this movie it is very hypocritical right because like there is a lot of what a feel-good story what a great (laughs) you know like moral (laughs) lesson about you know yada yada whatever but they they oftentimes cite the pleasantness of the movie and the lack of violence in the movie is is a a theme that like keeps coming back Mm. up and I find it interesting, not even just because of the do the right thing of it all, right? But it's like, but y'all did that, right? Like the like the violence wasn't a thing that we chose. That was a thing that you did 
since you got here to <laughs> this country. Like you've just like I don't I know Cameron's seen it. Sure, I don't know if you if you watched Exterminate All the Brutes on HBO. No. Um but I that suggest is, it. Yeah, it it makes it's all about, you know, just the the history of white supremacy, but also just like violence's part in how the world was shaped, right? And it's like violence you can you can we can debate the morals of violence or mm-hmm. like what violence means in terms of like oppression or revolution or whatever, but like you can't deny the effectiveness of violence in the sense that like anytime that people have needed to get somebody's attention, like mm-hmm. that's what it is, right? And you have a situation where it's like, all right, y'all fought a revolutionary war, right, to emancipate yourselves from England's, you know, control. But anytime that we've tried to do that, it's been like, mm, don't like it, don't want to see it, can't can't get down with that. And it's not only that, but it's like, but then all the violence that was done to us, right, for centuries, anytime that gets brought up, it's like, but that that's so depressing. You know, like, we don't want to discuss that or talk about that. And it's like, but, but you did it, though, right? Like, you can't do it and then decide that that's not something that you want to see depicted exactly. or have a conversation about because it's like... It's not even if you didn't do it, we wouldn't be, <laughs> we have to discuss it, but it's like, but you did it in so many numbers, right? And just so casually, like it's the casualness of the violence that's, that's also just And one could argue about. that this is a violent film based on Daisy's attitude. One could argue that this is <laughs> a violent film. And she, I believe she was singing a Civil War song at the beginning. I'm thinking about the first five yeah. minutes. Like she was like <laughs> yeah, yeah, openly yeah, yeah, yeah. singing a Civil War song, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, right though. So that's that's kind of the the mood and the vibe of people who like love Driving with Daisy. <laughs> that it's it, it it's a it's a quaint movie about coming together, and it's just like, but it's a movie that erases uh like history, <laughs> like actual history and what it was to, to live. And in if you don't read but... a book or don't do your research and you you watch this film, you might think, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad after all for, yeah, for the Blacks. Hmm. You won't It's know. just a little name calling if you get pulled over. Maybe, yeah. maybe it wasn't that bad. You gotta use the bathroom somewhere <laughs> else, but it's fine, you know. Well, Jarvis Daisy, like we said, it came out in 1989. It was directed by uh, Bruce Beresford. He's, I mean, he's done movies that I think people will know, but um, I think the last last movie he made came out in 2018. But I mean, he's an Australian director, so there's a lot of Australian oh. films that he did. But he did uh, Rich in Love. Um, he did Double Jeopardy. Oh, um, I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, Double Jeopardy and is good. That's actually how I learned about what Double Jeopardy is, <laughs> is watching Same. that movie. Same. Same. <laughs> yeah. Cameron, you're going to love this. Uh, a movie that we're going to watch in some time, Mr. Church. No. Uh, 2016. And, I mean, take this how you will. He directed uh, some of The Roots. Sure, uh, whatever. 2016. Fuck it, why not? <laughs> Fuck it, why not? Who else? <laughs> why not? So. I don't like uh, that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's like Bruce. That. Uh, Alfred Yuri is the writer of, of the play mm-hmm. and then this film. And again, just the cast. We got Morgan Freeman. We got Jessica Tandy, Dan Aykroyd, uh, Esserol. Four-time Tony winner, Patty Zabone. Don't don't okay. forget. Yeah. Or two-time. Sorry, I'm getting it right. I got two. But, you know, this is a movie that 
wasn't just like put up for best mm. picture it won it won a yeah. lot of stuff right so again you go to the academy awards it was nominated and won you know best picture <laughs> best actress jessica tandy jessica tandy wins best actress at 80 years old so she at the time was the oldest person to ever she win might still be i don't think um, maybe not maybe not i think somebody else got it and they were 81 okay. that sounds um, real i'll look that up in a second but uh alfred yuri won for best screenplay and then they won for best makeup as because well. it was the only way you could tell th- what time it was in the movie. They did. Yeah. Who, whoever did Esther Rose uh, casket makeup did a good job because she really looked like she yeah. was dead. I was like, oh. <laughs> she really looked like she was dead. But the film is also nominated for best actor, which was Morgan Freeman, best supporting actor for Dan. So Acton, Morgan didn't win. Best art direction. No, of course not. Of course um, not. <laughs> Oh my God! Best costume design and best film editing, but if you go down, I mean, it's it got nominated at the Baftas for best film, best direction, best actress, which Jessica Tandy won. No Morgan Freeman and best adapted screenplay, Golden Globes, best motion picture, musical or comedy, best actor in a motion picture, Morgan Freeman, and uh, best actress in the motion picture, Jessica Tandy, and then NAACP Image Awards. (laughs) Outstanding actor in the motion picture. Oh. Okay, okay. At least okay. we gave it. At least we yeah. gave it to him. Jeez. <laughs> National Board of Review. National Board of Review Awards. Best film. Won that. Top ten films is in that. Best actor Morgan Freeman. So I mean, you you keep going down, and it it won a mm-hmm. lot, right? Here's the thing. In 2015, the Hollywood Reporter polled hundreds of Academy Award uh, members. Right. And ask them just let's revote on a couple of these, you know, controversial awards. Right. When it came to 1990 for Best Picture, they decided that they're going to go with my left foot instead. What? And so, that? you know, the, the same the same people who voted for Driving Miss Daisy all these years later are like, actually, the better movie still wasn't go. do the right thing. It was. I could think they could only choose from movies an that were Irish nominated. movie about um, a dude with cerebral palsy. <laughs> I'm um, confused. I'm so, so confused. <laughs> yeah, but just even the people who who loved it, um, maybe didn't love it that much a couple of years later. So another thing to note is that this is a movie that's it's based on a real life story, right? So it's based on Yuri's grandmother. Her name was Lena Fox, and her driver real wow. green bookie vibes to me. So yeah, and it and it is basically what we saw in the movie in the sense that Coleman was hired after an accident similar to the beginning of the movie, which we didn't talk about, which is, I mean, she basically just like backs up all the way out, (laughs) all the way out her driveway into the neighbor's garden and just like totally crashes the car. And it's Um, just like, Oh, well about it. Like just mildly flustered, like, Oh, well, (laughs) no injuries. I mean, that's some car. Because she did. Drop well, you know, back least, in the day, know, those feet. cars were made of steel. Not what are what are ours made of today? Like a plexiglass, yeah, I guess like aluminum, aluminum or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that was that. Was, and Yuri says that you know, I mean, obviously, you know, this is a fictional story that he's telling here, but that you know, they they were together for that whole time. You know, he was her driver for that whole time, and like drove for the family oh, after God. she passed away as well. Um, in the movie, I don't remember the scene specifically, but there is a scene where you see three black men crossing the train tracks, 
and all of them are relatives of the real life Will Coleman. I don't know. It's never specified if they're like grandchildren oh. or nephews or whatever. But again, I don't. I don't have a recollection. Me of neither. <laughs> neither do I. Um, also, you know, just real life history is Alfred's uncle Sig was the owner of a pencil factory, which employed Leo Frank, who was a young Jewish relative from New York. Uh, and there was a local girl who was found murdered at the warehouse. And so Frank was falsely accused and was then uh, just basically pulled out of jail and like hung and lynched. Right. And so, you know, there's the real life story of that. And yet in the movie where Hoke is telling her about that happening, she's like, Hush nah, up. I don't want to hear about. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So who did this happen to in real life? This happened to uh, a relative of uh yuri so they they lynched a jewish man they lynched yeah they they pulled out he was suspected because he was an outsider and oh, also man. because he was jewish um so i mean that's i guess it's another interesting tidbit of like but this is also part of yeah. your real life history as the and writer it's of deeper this. and, and so like way d- sadder than the movie you know yeah. i mean sure it's a uplifting comedy drama but like the real stuff that was happening around these people, especially where y'all were at in the movie, like, yeah, there are real stakes at hand. There's these people's lives. I wonder, I, I was, as yeah. you were talking, I was thinking about that one scene that now seems meaningless to me where, uh, where Bully's, I, b- I believe it was Bully's wife who was yelling at, at their maid because she forgot oh, coconut yeah. on Christmas. And she's got a, how are you going to feed an, which ambrosia salad is disgusting. But (laughs) (laughs) how are you going to feed 50 people ambrosia salad with no coconut? And I'm like, were they framing that to make Bully look like he was like down with the blacks because he kind of comforted like, oh, it's no big deal to to Katie, Katie Bell. Katie Bell, it's no big deal. (laughs) But I'm sorry, as you were speaking, I just was thinking about how meaningless that scene was and how it could have stayed on the cutting room floor. Yeah, there's so many scenes like that and again this movie's only an hour yeah, and a half yeah. <laughs> it's short and make of that which you will uh-huh, uh-huh. could have been a short film. um well, yes like... yes you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't wanna be saved. Can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. Can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. Can't save us. We don't wanna be saved.